of speaking about the Lord in a formal way is a very daunting task to use my imperfect words to describe a perfect God with a perfect name seems like I can't can't quite represent it right and I know I can't so if you would take a a moment and say a prayer for me that the Lord would bless this time that uh, he could let me if you will escape the situation without defaming his name in any way um, I would really appreciate that if you would turn with me to Romans chapter 8 while you're turning there I'll give you a very brief big picture idea of this chapter that I'm going to try and talk about today. The first part of this chapter basically says we have a problem. We have a living spirit stuck inside of a dead body. The next part of the chapter talks about those two parts of us are at war with each other. And that causes a lot of suffering here in this world. And the last part of the chapter talks about, but God, he has a plan to fix our dead bodies so that we can be united and at peace with a living spirit and a living body. So I'm going to try and read through the whole chapter and then I'll go back and talk about some of the verses. So if you would, starting in Romans chapter 8 at verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised us up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, but to to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many are, 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that which we do not see, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we shall pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with also, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him that love us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's Romans chapter 8, and that's what I hope to talk about. I'd like to go through 
verse by verse and just talk about some of the individual things that he says in this passage. Um, But there's a special message here in this chapter. It's different than some of the other messages we would think about our salvation. And normally we're worried about how we get to heaven. But this, this chapter is telling us a little bit different, different message. It's still true that we're getting to heaven, but this is talking just a little bit different, a little different angle. So in verses, and starting back in verse 1, there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ. We're not walking after the flesh. We're trying to walk after the Spirit. The law of the Spirit is life in Christ, and, the law of, and we're free from the law of sin and death. We're not condemned under the law. Jesus has already taken care of that. But now, we have that Spirit inside of us. This chapter is written to born-again believers. These are not people that have never heard of God. These are people that are inside the Roman church. And he's not talking to somebody who has no idea what's going on. He's talking to people that are actively at war, where their spirit is warring every day with their flesh, with their dead body, with the curse of sin that is on them. And that's who he's talking to. He's talking to somebody who's trying to walk after the Spirit, but they're failing sometimes. Who's trying to follow God, but they're not always sure exactly how to do it. Who's trying to walk after the Spirit, but sometimes it's hard. And sometimes other things are more interesting and capture our attention and our focus. But if we move on and look at maybe verse 5... For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Death in Scripture is often a separation. Right? When when at the day that Adam sinned, he surely died. He didn't physically die. I mean his spirit his his body started the process of dying. But the, what the death that happened in that day is he was separated from being able to speak with God directly. There was a separation that happened. So as, as we are making our daily, minute, minutely choices of living after the Spirit or living after our flesh, we are choosing with our choices to live after the Spirit, we're choosing life and peace in connection with Christ here on earth during that moment. But when we're choosing to live after the flesh, we're choosing death. And I'm not talking about eternal death. I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about separation from God and feeling that life in you um, and that little bit of separation during that time. And he can still draw you to him, and you can still turn and repent and go towards him. But when you choose, when you make those choices, and you do mess up, you're just moving a little bit further away. Verse 7, it's talking just a little bit more about the separation. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. 
So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Again, it's just explaining a little bit further. If you're doing things after the flesh, you can't please God, and you're not going to be close to Him. Verse 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you're his, you have the Spirit in you. Now this is not meant to cast doubt on whether you've been elected, on whether you have a spirit. He's talking to born-again people. This is meant to be a clarification of the audience of who he's talking to. He's saying, if you don't have the Spirit and you're not God's child, you don't have this conflict within you. So he's not casting doubt on whether you're a child of God. He's saying the fact that you have a conflict is evidence that you do have that spirit in you that God has already been working in your life. And that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to clarify who he's talking to here. Verse 10, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. The body's dead, but the spirit is life. This is the conflict that the rest of Romans is trying to address. Your body is dead, and that's a big deal. This is a big problem for us. In the following verses, Paul uses these words to describe our state being stuck in this clay pot, this dead body. He says, dead, bondage, suffering, vanity, corruption, groaning, and infirmities. All of those words are used in the next several verses to describe our current state. Stuck in this dead body, waiting, waiting for that deliverance. 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Here's the first time He's told you, you got a problem, but I have a solution. He said, I will quicken your mortal bodies. He hasn't told us how, He hasn't told us when. But he said, I've got a solution to your problem. I will make your body, your dead body, alive. The word quicken means to make alive. 13. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You have the spirit of God, but it's not a spirit of bondage. It's, it's the spirit of, of freedom to be able to make choices, to be able to head in the direction towards the Lord, towards a closer relationship with Him while you're here on this earth. You have the spirit of, redopt, of adoption, and this is just another hint towards the solution of our big problem of being stuck here in a clay pot that's all cracked up and broken. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs of God, 
And if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. The Spirit is bearing witness to us from within inside of us that there is life there. He's bearing witness to us that we are children, children of the living God, children, but not just children, heirs and joint heirs with Christ. And we do have something to look forward to. He is going to fix our problem. We will be glorified together with Christ Jesus. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Over the next couple of verses, he's going to make some comparisons. Sufferings of this present time versus glory to come. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of God. Right now we have an earnest expectation, we have a hope, but one day it's going to be made known. Manifest means to show light on something. We're going to be able to see clearly what he has in store for us. Verse 20, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. We've got a hope. We've got an earnest expectation that we have something to look forward to. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Bondage of corruption in our current body, in our current state in this fallen world, versus the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. This isn't just us. This is the entire world. All of creation is groaning under the curse of sin. But there's a solution. God's got something in mind. And he's already got it in the works, right? And not only they, not just the creation, but us too, but we ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. But what is it that we're really, really needing? To wit, the redemption of our body. Paul has set the stage. We've got hope. We've got a patient expectation of glory. Here's the problem. We're stuck in these bodies. And these, again, are chosen children of God. The problem being discussed here is not whether they are his children, but that they are his children and they're stuck in suffering. But there is hope. And we can't quite see it yet, but there is hope. The rest of the chapter explains God's plan to fix our problem, to eliminate the sufferings of this present time. Verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, what do you think he's groaning about? Do you think he's groaning about the same thing? Do you think he's interceding for us about the same thing? The same problem that's been discussed for the whole beginning of this chapter? I don't think he's changing subjects here. I think that the Holy Spirit is groaning for us and making intercession for us because of everything he's just mentioned. 27 explains it further. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth 
what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit is groaning for us, making intercession for us. But what is he interceding for? What is he asking for? Well, he's asking for something according to the will of God. But what is that perfect will of God? Verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Again, we've been discussing these people that have a living spirit inside of them, that have the Holy Ghost that have changed their hearts, but they're stuck in a body where they want. They have desires to do sinful things, right? And they have this conflict within themselves. So we've gone through this whole chapter talking about this conflict. I don't think this verse is saying, you know, God's going to make everything that happens in this world help you or um, work together for good. He's talking about the same subject. He's talking about the same thing that the Spirit is interceding for. He's talking about the same thing that the Spirit is asking for according to the will of God. He's talking about the same thing that is according to his purpose. All things in his will work together for that same purpose. We are called according to his purpose. But what is that purpose? It's the same subject of longing and hoping and groaning that we've been talking about. It's that same earnest expectation that we may be glorified together and that the glory will be revealed. His purpose is our final destination and our glorified state in that final destination. Verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. See, that's his purpose. Your end state is to be conformed to the image of Christ, that he might be the brethren, be the firstborn among many brethren. That's God's purpose. That's his will, is that you're going to be like Christ one day. That one day, God is going to take your body, and he's going to make it perfect. Verse 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now, to accomplish this purpose, God has a chain of events here. And I brought along a little visual aid. This is a piece of logging chain. There's four links in it. This chain is supposed to be rated for 3,000 plus pounds. It's a really strong chain. But I wanted to use this as a demonstration of what he's talking about here. See, God, he said, if he has predestinated you, then he has also called you. And if he has called you, then he has also justified you. And if he has justified you, he has also glorified you. This chain God put together, this chain is forged together by the power of his purpose, his will for you. This doesn't have anything to do with your actions here on earth. 
This is what God did. But, see, the thing about this chain is that there's several links. And these links are important, but they're not the point of this passage. The end point is the point of this passage. Now, it doesn't matter how strong a chain is. No work gets done unless it is attached on both ends. Right? In this case, God is on the pulling end and we're the ones being pulled. His purpose is that we are pulled into our final destination and our final state. Namely, that we will be in glory in the presence of the living God with glorified bodies, free from sin and death. But to demonstrate the strength of this chain, let's keep reading. He wanted to be sure we understood that this chain was secure, that this chain is unbreakable. Let's keep reading. Verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who's going to break this chain that God put together? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up from us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? If God made this chain, and he made it unbreakable, who's going to put anything on your chart, on your charge? Who's going to condemn you? Jesus has proclaimed you innocent. That's what justified means. He has proclaimed you innocent. Who can condemn you? Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nothing is going to separate us from Christ. It's an unbreakable chain. As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. All the trials, all the powers, all the evil of this world cannot cut even a single link in that chain. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's quickly summarize again the links of this chain. Before the foundation of the world, God fastened you to the end of this chain by the power of his purpose. Put your name in the book of life. He knew you, he loved you, and he said, you're my child. That's the first link. You're connected here from the beginning of the world. The second link. Jesus was conceived without sin by a miracle that somehow short-circuited the curse of sin through Adam. He lived a perfect life, and he offered himself to our Lord in our place. 
He took the sins off of your scoreboard and put them on his. And he took the righteousness off of his scoreboard and he put them on you. The next link. The Holy Spirit came into you and gave you life, new life. He quickened you and he turned your heart into something that could feel his presence. And the last one, the last link, that one that we're all looking forward, the solution to the problem of our present sufferings. I can't summarize this. Let's just turn to 1 Thessalonians and read that instead. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll start at verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the day of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is the message of Romans chapter 8. It's not saying whether you're going to get to heaven. It's saying you're stuck here for a little while in some sufferings, but there's hope. God has a plan. I've heard Brother Andrew and several of the German Baptists pray and say, Thank you, Lord, for your plan of salvation. Thank you, Lord, for your chain of salvation that we cannot break, cannot step out of, cannot unhook ourselves from it. You are bound to God by the strongest chain possible. I know that you're stuck in this dead body in this clay pot for now, but there is hope. Now, I have a few questions for you. Does your lack of faith or your faith jeopardize that chain? Absolutely not. Does the fact that you struggle with sin every day of your life jeopardize this chain? Absolutely not. Does the fact that a person may live deep in the Amazon or deep in China and may never hear the gospel, does that jeopardize this chain? Absolutely not. Does a life taken in the womb or a life taken by suicide jeopardize this chain? Absolutely not. Do your actions in this life, good or bad, jeopardize this chain? No. God has attached you. He has chained you to himself by the power of his purpose. And you will end up in that final destination, in that final state, with a glorified body in the presence of the Lord. Now, if our final destination and our final state is predetermined, then why should we serve him? Well, if you truly get the message of Romans chapter 8 and can manage to keep it in the front of your mind, then how could we not serve him? It goes back to the beginning of the chapter. We're to live after the Spirit, not after the flesh. Even though our eternal destination is chained to God himself, our earthly relationship with our Savior is at least partially in our hands. Although we are currently in the sufferings of this present time, they are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is yet to come.
for so shall we be ever with the Lord.